I'm suiting up! Welcome to Doctor 3, a Hearthstone podcast dedicated to giving you explosive growth and climbing the standard rank ladder. I'm your host, Daring Alkaline, and with me are my fellow hosts, Nikolais and Mage of Death. So let's go ahead and jump into last week's poll question, Mage. Sure, we asked you last week what class would has benefited the most from Galakron's Awakening. We had 10 votes, and half of you said Hunter was the class that benefited the most. We have definitely seen quite a bit of Hunter on the ladder over the last week or so, so there's some truth to that probably. Druid mate got three votes, 30%. Rogue got 20%. So nobody thinks one of those, anything other than those three classes benefited the most from Galakrond's Awakening, so... I don't know if any of those 10 people have played the Lord and Savior that is Mech Paladin. <laughs> maybe maybe, uh, maybe we will uh, educate educate them on that at some point. But yes, there was there's definitely some other decks that got some interesting cards, but uh, it does sort of feel like it's a hunter meta right now a little bit more than uh, than anything else. All right, so let's move into the news. Um, so XR showed meta has been changing daily with a forum post. Um, and we'll go ahead and link that in our description. And he shows win rates of decks over four days at ranks three to legend. So we're going to kind of go down starting with February 8th, um, through February 11th. So first day we have quest hunter at 55%. Agro Warrior at 54.5%. Galkron Warrior at 54%. Highlander Hunter, 53.7%. And Mech Paladin at 52.9%. So that's how we started out on February 8th. Now, February 9th, we look at Quest Hunter at 54.2%. Galkron Warrior at 54%. Highlander Hunter at at 53.9%. Uh, Res Priest at 53.6%. And Galakron Rogue at 53%. So there's already two decks that weren't on this list the day before. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty big shakeup. Then we go to February 10th, where we have Galakron Warrior at 55% win rate. Mech Paladin at 53.7%. Res Priest at 53.3, Quest Hunter at 53.1, and Highlander Hunter at 52.9%. So, yep. And then the final day, we have Combo Priest at 54, 55.4%, Galkron Warrior at 54.3%, Dragon Hunter at 54.1, Mech Paladin at 53.9, and Quest Druid at 53.7. So Combo Cre- Priest came out of nowhere because Combo yeah. Priest is always, is now and will always be dumb. Uh, yeah, as long as long as those two cards, the, the two card deck what, what, what Divine me, Spirit and Fire. Let me check. Divine Spirit, is that still playable in standard? Yep. Um, Fire, check. Northshire Cleric, Circle of Healing? Yeah, no, I think we're good here. <laughs> Injured Blade Master? Yeah, he's still there. Yeah. It's, uh, so I, I mean, 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, we were seeing some interesting trends throughout the days. You know, basically anything that ended in Hunter was doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Met Paladin was in there, I think, three of the four times. Some oh, version of Priest was in there, I think, twice. Or, no, three times as well. Um, Galakron Warrior was in there yeah. all four days. Yeah, Galakron Warrior was in there. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting. They're trying to show that like the things are still, uh, I mean, it's not a settled meta. I think I, I think is what the bigger overarching point is right now is that it, it, even at the high ranks where, where presumably people are playing the best decks ranks three to legend, what you can play and have a good win rate can vary from day to day and things are still kind of evolving and and things like that. But I think there is some overarching sort of uh, trends that we're seeing. Uh, But, uh, but, but I do think it's interesting. And, and anytime that we get something directly from blizzard that shows the win rates and things like that, I think it's really interesting because they have, the whole presumably the whole data supply that they can pull this from right as opposed to vicious syndicate or hs replay requires you to have set up your account to be able to submit the data to them so that they can it's the whole picture right yeah it is it is it is a more complete picture presumably there but we don't necessarily know the context of these win rates either i mean this could be you know Combo Priest could have had only 10% of the games of the other decks that were uh, played on the 11th, but we wouldn't necessarily know. And he, he specifically calls out Aggro Shaman as being a pretty good deck right now, but it's not getting getting a, a very high play rate. And uh, but so there there's there's some context with numbers, I think, that are really important that we don't necessarily have here, but just kind of at a high level, I think I think it's interesting because you can see that hey, there's some different things that you could be playing and you can win games with, and uh, uh, you know that there's it, it it seems to shift from day to day. Yeah, I think that this kind of stuff is pretty regular, though. You know, like we're seeing some uh, decks show up like quite a bit, and we're seeing some just have a spike out of nowhere and then they fall back down. I think that's pretty normal in any meta you know like some people maybe you know just like you said like the combo priest maybe a couple people logged in that day and decided that they want to try combo priest or um you know something else happened that made more people play that deck on that day and then they had success and because there was other people playing a like a favorable matchup for them and you know like I don't think it's too much to look into. I think the most important thing is to see that Galakron Warrior, Mech Paladin, and Hunter are all there basically every single time. Uh, so, like, the the random combo priest I don't think really means anything, but I think mm-hmm. seeing those, uh, the consistent ones is giving you a good idea of what's actually good in the meta. Right. Yeah. So... As Mate just said, uh, he added some other notes regarding Agro Shaman and Embigged Druid. Um, he says they don't have plans for any changes in the immediate future, 
But we'll circle back in a few weeks to see if there are any changes that we want to make as a result of Galcron's Awakening cards or changes that might be necessary. Looking forward to the next expansion. Inner Fire. <laughs> just, just hold off until the expansion comes. Like, can we not have a seventh meta change, please? Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. agree. We'll just wait. Anything you want to change, just rotate it at the expansion. Unless we have something completely busted like Galacron Shaman was at the start of the expansion, just let it sit for a bit, let people have their fun with, you know, a potentially strong deck or whatever, just just, just let it sit for a minute. <laughs> Nate, do you have any other thoughts about that? Yeah, I... I... <laughs> I think I've been one that has suggested that I'm not a big fan of changes to the meta because yeah. I have our I I, I want to play I want to play a deck and I want to uh, a kind of a stable meta to play in so that I can learn the deck and learn the matchups and things like this. One of the one of the things that's been really really difficult over the last four weeks is every week there's a new meta because every week there's new cards being introduced and it's one thing when it's a whole bunch of cards at the beginning of an expansion because then it kind of calms down a little bit faster but every there there was just enough it felt like over the last four weeks every week there was enough of a change that that it kind of just threw things into a bit of chaos and, and I would have, I, I definitely am not looking forward to another shakeup before, you know, we get to a, a rotation or a new. Expansion. Yeah. I was going to say the new we're, we're hitting the end of the year of the dragon in two months. So let's just leave it as it is. Nothing appears to be severely broken at the moment in time. You know, this isn't doom in the tomb meta. So, <laughs> like, people can be upset about it being in Druid, but there are very, very clear counters to that deck. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, like we were saying, like, Evolve Shaman. It's not like, let's just, you know, pull the pull the uh, slot machine and see what comes out. And, oh, I got three sevens or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I win the game. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, you could get a good result off, like, uh, uh, strength in numbers or whatever but you know there's definitely ways to deal with that exactly yeah, I, just, I just i don't like vargoth into uh the freaking witching hour that pulls yeah. back a uh, <laughs> pulls back the wing guardian the, the six eight taunt with reborn and then we get a second one and then you're just like i'm gonna bang my head against the table here or something yeah so. exactly so also adds for the for wild we're looking at some of the nerfs we made to cards that rotate into wild with the next expansion and seeing if we want to revert any of them we'll have more updates on that soon actually there's a i think it's cream puff who's doing like a twitter poll of like you know how the, they used to the um i can't remember who put out the uh Ixar did a did a uh, like a powerful card. Oh yeah, and Doctor Broom won. Cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's doing basically the same thing about like which card, which uh, cards that have been nerfed would you like to see unnerfed uh, in Wild? Uh, that poll has been going on for a few days now. Uh, I think they're down to thirty 
I think they just did the round of 32, so they might be, uh, he might be posting the round of 16 shortly, if he hasn't already. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. Like, there are some things that are so underpowered right now, like, um, was, like, Ancient of Lore. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that card used to be really good, and now we look at it, even if it was unnerfed, you probably wouldn't be playing it in Standard. You know, maybe you'd put it like one of them in quest route or something, but that deck already has a lot of card draw. So, what is, is it? Know, it was but, draw two cards or heal or, five. Yeah, and now yeah. it's just draw one. You know, like yeah, for seven mana, and you have a five five five, five. mana five five that draws a card in the big old whelp now. So it's yeah. like <laughs> it's, so. It's, yeah. I don't know. I thought yeah. it was really interesting. Um, I'm not a wild player, but I was definitely, I'm definitely interested to see what uh, they have to say about it. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think that just the idea that they're willing to go back and revisit nerfs that they've made. Uh, I, I, you know, we saw we saw car they they buffed some cards uh, for one of the mid mid uh, expansion events. It just it it's interesting that they're willing to revisit some of this stuff again, and so I, I I think while it's not necessarily going to affect the standard meta, it it, do, it is something I think as a standard player, it's something to keep an eye on just because of what it may mean for ways that they're going to go about dealing with cards in the future. Yeah, and I do think that on this topic, they somebody can't remember who. Uh, strongly implied that one of the cards that they were looking at reverting the nerfs for was Dr. Boom. Uh, back to seven. So if if this is something that they decide to do, that's one that I would definitely expect to see get that treatment. Yeah. I don't think... Yeah, I think it, he's more fair at seven and wild, obviously. Oh, yeah. So... Okay, uh, Master Tour, Masters Tour Indonesia moves from LA, be, or moves to LA, excuse me, because of the coronavirus. So I will put the uh, link again to that article from Play Hearthstone. Um, starts off, after, after careful consideration of the ongoing coronavirus, we have decided to relocate Masters Tour Indonesia to Los Angeles. We decided to make this move to protect the health and safety of our players, staff, and everyone else involved with the Masters Tour. Knowing that, adjusting travel plans can uh, oftentimes be difficult. We'll be providing up to 250 USD to all qualified competitors who need to rebook their travel to Los Angeles if they've already secured flights to Indonesia. So... I mean, I would hope if you were qualified for Masters Tour Indonesia and it's about a month out, so I hope everyone is booked by now. <laughs> but uh yeah, two fifty seems a, a little weak of a gesture to, to make a big move like that, so Yeah. Uh, it's not it's definitely nowhere near enough, especially if you're uh most people are booking something in the economy or something, and those tend to have really bad refund policies, yep, if at all. Um, and now they need to they have a month to get the uh, visa approved to compete in the United States. So good luck with that. 
<laughs> yeah, if it, it, yeah, if you were somebody that couldn't get in for Arlington, seeing that you now have to try and get into Los Angeles uh, for the next one it, is going to be probably just as, if not more, difficult. And uh, somebody brought up the fact that if you missed out on two Masters Tour events, if you were trying to get into the GM, good luck. If you can't get into both of the the first two events of the of the year, that could be that could be really difficult. So you know, it's almost if if only we could play this game over the internet, and then we might be able to set up remote sites. It's just a thought. Like I, it's groundbreaking th- uh, train of thought here, Blizzard. Because you've done this before for previous events where you've allowed people to play at remote sites that are monitored. Seems like if they can, if you can't make it, figure something else. Put up another site out some t- somewhere outside the U.S. Put up a couple sites so people who have trouble getting in can just essentially VPN into the, the LAN games. Shouldn't be that hard to set up the infrastructure. You need to do that. <laughs> Again, I work in IT. This isn't that <laughs> difficult. So. Anyways. All right. That requires so. two things. Time or effort and money. So. It's not that much money, but the effort is, you know, you'd actually have to, you know, plan something out and develop some infrastructure and OGs. Oh, oh, geez. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, let's move on to our main topic. Nikolaus, you kind of, this one kind of sparked you when we were talking pre-show. So, why don't, why don't I allow you to kick it off? All right. So, the topic this week is when can you trust the stats? Uh, it was kind of brought up by a tweet by WireHS. Uh, talk about Battle Rage in Galakrond Warrior. Battle Rage is by far the lowest win rate card in Galakrond Warrior, according to the data. But whenever I place it with a good card, I run out of cards and lose a lot. What am I doing wrong? Please enlighten me. And there was a lot of discussions uh, sparked from that, uh, ranging from some funny ones from Casey just saying noob. <laughs> hey, I found that deeply insightful. <laughs> oh, it it is insightful and it is correct. It's also just hilarious. Um, and then there was some other uh, people responding about uh, card drawn win rates are low for card draw. Um, Jay Alexander chimed in as well. And started talking about, you know, if you think card X is good, you then learn card X is bad from data. And then what would convince you that your assessment was wrong? And I just got speared with the shark vibes from him. <laughs> um, because that's another one of these, you know, quote unquote, bad cards. that a lot of people just want to play, um, even though the data says that your deck would be more success, more successful without it. Um, well, it's specifically that they think their deck is better because of Spirit of the Shark being in the deck, as yeah. opposed to the data that suggests actually the opposite that they that that deck that that card does not the the win rate on that card, whether it's 
in the mulligan, when it's drawn, when it's played, any of that is sub 50. Yeah, it's normally like Spear of the Shark, I think, was either the lowest or the second lowest in every single category when it was played in Rogue. I think uh, in this case, Battle Rage is another one of those uh, cards in like the bottom, bottom two. Um, there's a couple different um, things to talk about, you know? Um, so th- I guess the first one is why do we keep playing these bad cards? You know, if if the data says that this is bad, but but you're having success with it, so how can it be bad? You hit the right scenario for the card. You hit the scenarios where the card is good. You know, was it the observation bias could be part yes. of it? Yeah, confirmation bias, uh, where you only remember that times when Battle Rage drew you like six cards for two mana, and then you won the game off that, and then you tend to forget that times where it's two mana, draw one, and it's like, well, I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah. um, I think another part of it is ego. I think that, especially when you're getting to the high level of Legend players, like they tend to think that they're smarter than everybody else, and it's not just exclusive to Hearthstone. It's in a lot of different games where the people at the very top think they have this. Like they see the matrix, and they can they know that this card is actually really good, and everybody else just doesn't understand it, and they play it wrong, and they're the one who gets it right. Um, you're not one of those people. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> especially especially if you're listening to this podcast you know i don't think you're in like the top 10 legend players every single month uh and even if you are i don't think that you can see the matrix sorry that, that. <laughs> i the, the when i think of that i think of like brian kibler because like brian kibler plays like the weird silly decks and does well with them and i'm like I could get like a thirty percent win rate if I was lucky with that deck. Yeah, uh, I remember the month he hit legend with Quest Mage, where the statistics said that he was more likely to win the games if he mulliganed the quest. <laughs> so sometimes it works out. Uh, it does not mean that you should be playing Quest Mage. I just say I remember the the month he got to uh, Legend playing uh, old Quest Paladin. <laughs> yeah, same thing, you know. Um, there is another factor, which is not based on ego. It is the how easy or how hard a card is to play. So I'm going to use an example of Grim Patron. Because that wasn't a card, but it was a deck. And it was very hard to play. It was very technical. It required a lot of um, decisions and inputs in a very, you know, 90 seconds. You had to, you basically had to start from second one. You know, there wasn't a lot of time to think. Because the animations take forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were at the top of the legend ladder, you know. You could have a 90% win rate with that deck. I'm not exaggerating. There were some people who had that high win rate with it. But the overall win rate for it was like sub-50. I think it was like 44% or something stupidly low. 
I know? remember at like 46, but I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah, somewhere around that area. Um, because people aren't good with, like, it is a hard to use deck. It is hard to play that optimally. And you can take that idea and just translate it with cards. You know, there are cards that are harder to use than others. Um, you know, a really freaking basic one, Blazing Battle Mage. It is a one mana 2-2. Two, two. You slap that down on turn one and that is all that is to it. There is no decision points around that card. Um, you compare it with something that's a little bit more complicated, Snip Snap. Mm-hmm. Do you want to stack them? Do you want to have them separate? Do you want to wait till turn six? Do you want to wait till turn nine? Do you want to magnetize it onto something that's already there? Do you want to trade with it? How valuable are the one ones? There is a lot of decisions that have to be made with Snip Snap basically every single time that it comes into your hand. Well, Snip Snap is a very strong card, so whatever you do, it's probably going to be positive. You know? Uh, a... 3-mana 2-3 that Death Rattles into 2-1-1s is a perfectly acceptable play. Compare that with Battle Rage, which takes quite a bit of setup to make actually work. You know, in worst case, you know, worst case scenario, it could be a 2-mana draw 0, a 2-mana draw 1, 2-mana draw 2, okay, you're talking. You know, that's better than Arcane Intellect, but... You know, you you really need to get, like, at least three, I think, to make it really worth it. Um, And it can be hard to set that up, you know, especially if you're in a scenario where you are losing. You tend to not have a lot of minions on the board. Mm -hmm. You know, like... um, When you're losing, Battle Rage is essentially worthless. Most of the time, it is a two-mana draw one. But if you're winning, hey, you just keep getting those resources, and that helps you win more. You know, it is a win-more card. Yeah, I was time. I was going to say, I was just thinking about that. Is it is it ideal use in, the, like, a tense mid-game where you both are fighting for the board, so you're not losing, but you're not quite winning yet? Yeah. And you're you're trying to take the board and you draw a bunch of resources. Yeah, that's the ideal situation. Yeah. But a lot of that is hard to set up or just doesn't exist in this meta. Because um, like I said, it, it, you're either losing, which, you know, Calcron Warrior, what did we say? It had like a 54% win rate so like 46 percent of the time you're losing so it's not super useful in most of the games where you're losing you know it's it's very rare i think that you're losing and you spend two mana to draw one or two cards and that pulls you back from the brink and you end up winning you know um there's a mount that um where you're winning and then it's like i said it's a win more and then there's a smaller section where it's it is that tense board control battle um but when you look at the other decks in the meta that's not a lot of what's happening right now you know like basically ignore every single aggro deck 
because those are not trading with you, so you are not going to have damaged minions, whether you're ahead or behind, it does not matter. If you have board control as, you know, Galakorn Warrior versus an aggro deck, you win. Battle Rage is doing nothing for you, you just win, and if you're losing, again, Battle Rage is doing nothing for you because they're smarking you down. Yeah. Uh, control decks, again, it's like, They normally have the removal tools necessary, and their minions are generally pretty large, so it's hard to have something that's damaged without it just dying, right? Like, a lot of their stuff has a low low health, you know? Scion of Ruin or whatever, the the Drake, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that only has two health. It's hard to get a Bower Rage off of that, you know? Um, so it really is this, like, mid-rangey versus mid-rangey matchup which isn't super common in these kind of games that we're seeing right now um because and everything just p- gets removed so easy yeah to to your point i think the other thing that is kind of makes it hard to play specifically right now is the fact that there's like in air with a lot of decks there is the turn the swing turn the big turn where you suddenly go from even to maybe either a little bit behind or a little bit ahead to way ahead or way behind and it's like how do you you know how do you leverage then playing you know you have to be then ready to be able to somehow have an answer that in your deck to be able to pull and then like like you were saying have the setup to where you can have minions that you actually can then uh, that can be injured and allow you to then use this card to actually pull something. I mean, you're you're a lot of times. I think you're trying to get additional cards from, say, the Acolyte of Pain or the uh, or the Armor Smith. Or if you're lucky, you're you're trading into a one attack minion with those with 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 the uh, Scion of Ruin. So that then they can be potentially one of those cards that that is allowing you to to get an extra card off of the battle rage. But even your hero power is, is such that if you don't take damage and you're and you're having to use your hero power, you then are not even getting the card off of the damage that your face is getting hit with, right? And mm-hmm. so so it, it it makes it really really hard. To, to play it to to your point and and the other thing i would say is before galakron warrior got this the the skip the risky skipper mm-hmm. in this latest wing of the expansion they didn't have a way to really injure their own minions they weren't running warpath they weren't running uh whirlwind necessarily uh you know they were maybe running the the cruel taskmaster or they were running the inner rage or something and so though those were the those were the ways that you were the the only ways you yourself could set up the battle rage in order to get you enough cards uh instead you were relying like you were talking about nikolaus where you had to you had to like actually trade into things on the board or have your opponent trade into things on the board and your guys had to survive Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a super easy thing to say to uh, get done. Sorry, and you know I'm kind of like 
Casey's reply, noob, makes a lot of sense because what he's what the uh, wire was saying is he's running out of cards, right? And that comes down to resource management. So I it it's more likely that you will win games if you properly manage your resources and have better cards in your deck than just jumping them all out and then trying to draw more cards to get more resources, which you can then ju- like throw out again, you know, like it's there. It... And, and I wonder, I'm like, would, would battle rage have done anything in those games that you were losing anyways? Like, were you managing your resources well enough that battle rage would have done something? So yeah, I kind of, I can kind of see where that remark comes from. Yeah. Um. So kind of going back again to like the high legend players, like they do a lot of testing against each other, right? Like I know Firebat and Zelay scream against each other a lot, you know, and they'll be testing different cards. But how many times do they play a certain matchup? 10, 15, 20 times maybe. And then they'll change a card and they'll do it again change another card, do it again. Like, how many times are they actually testing a specific card? Because first off, they have to put the card in their deck. Then they have to draw it. Then they have to use it. And they have to think, when I didn't use it, is there a card that this could have been? And when they do use it, how much does this impact my win? Like, there's a lot of variables that go into testing a card that you're not getting with that 10 20 30 40 games even like you need hundreds of games so if you're saying that you're smarter than what the stats of thousands of people are saying especially if you're filtering out like from four to legend where people are trying to rank up you know this isn't some dumpster legend stuff or people messing around at rank 10 rank 15 these are people who are trying to get to legend and they're playing the best versions of their deck possible, you know? Or at least you would think they are. Oh, yeah. You know? And you think you're smarter than that. Like, I've got some... <laughs> you know, I've got a bridge to sell you. Um, like, I'm sorry. You're, you may be a smart person, but I highly doubt that you are smarter than thousands of other people put together. Exactly. And that's what that's what the data is telling you. And it could be a comfort thing. You know, that was a big thing with Spirit of the Shark. A lot of people found comfort in it. They liked that play pattern. They liked the ability to double the to like have a uh, one of those powerful swing turns, you know, and they remember those and they they play towards it when, you know, it, that card would have been much served being something else. Um, but they remember that they like that play pattern and they stick with it, even though the stats are telling them, please play something else. So to me, my takeaway from this is that you're not smarter than thousands of other people. If you are playing a card that the win rate is far below what the average deck win rate is, like it was the case with Spirit of the Shark, like it is the case with Battle Rage, please change it to something that is more reasonable. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, have to be the highest version of whatever it is on HS Replay. You can experiment all you want, but try 
I, I would encourage you to try something. And if it is a thing like Battle Rage, where you are running out of cards, then that is a message to you that you need to work on resource management. And I feel like um, it's not a bad idea. You can still run those cards if you want to, but just be okay with knowing that that's not the most optimal card for the deck. And maybe that's just how you like to play the game. So, I mean, yeah, we're not holding a gun to your head saying, yeah. play, take Battle Rage out of your deck yeah. right now, you know? But, but, but we are we're saying... trying to get you to rank up, right? Like, we exactly. want people to experience growth on the ladder, and part of that is understanding, you know, you should be cutting certain cards. It's It's not always easy or comfortable growing. So... Maybe that spirit of the shark or those battle rages make you feel good because you feel like that that'll you know put you back in it and can like swing the game in your favor and it can sometimes but is there something that could probably give you uh uh you know a few percentage points here and there it's probably more worth it for than the like one or two times every like fifteen games where you can swing it back because of those cards. Yeah, being like just an easy example, right? What's better? A battle rage that you draw early and you have to hold it for like four turns and you have board tension and you finally get a turn to play it on like turn eight and then you draw five cards and you end up winning from that. Or if that card is a like a an evil armor smith or something and you play it down on turn three and you get a lackey and that lackey helps you take and seize board control and you can start snowballing from there and you never end up losing the board whatsoever and you win you won by turn 8 you know like it obviously that's an extreme example you know but like you're not comparing it's hard to s- compare you know right like that card could have been anything mhm it could have been a card that helped you control the board and push your advantage rather than something like I need more resources in order to win this and sometimes I do or if you're like me and you need something and you top deck the absolute worst thing over and over and over again <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, I've not had good luck on the ladder over the past couple of days so you obviously haven't been playing Mech Paladin. No, I've been playing. I've been playing Reno, Reno Mage because I like Reno. He's fun. Makes things go poof. <laughs> uh, so, it's so been fun watching I... the troll Dan clips of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. It's. I've won a few games off of it, and I've lost a few games off of it. But usually. Um, I miss, I find myself missing the ping more than I thought I would. Mm. Cause it's like, oh, okay, well now I don't have a hero, necessarily have a hero power that can put someone on a clock, albeit a very slow clock, but if I can knock them down to two hit points, then suddenly that's two turns you know yeah and i mean the difference between a four health minion and a five health minion becomes infinitely <laughs> it's not good it's not good so but it's interesting and the obviously the battle cry is 
pretty pretty amazing and could get you out of a lot of tight spots so made you trying to say something yeah i guess i guess a couple things that that i've been thinking about as we've been discussing the 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 battle rage question Mm -hmm. which is one that there's one there's always going to be a card that has the lowest win rate in in a deck there's Mm -hmm. just you know you've got 30 cards some cards are going to be really great other cards they're the they're gonna be bad and and i think that like in particular cards like this like it's one thing when it's a, a minion where you could just play it there's another thing when it's when a card doesn't affect the board it affects like your hand and the value that you have in your hand that it it's battle rage to me is a card that kind of doesn't really necessarily fit with what the galakron warrior is trying to do the galakron warrior deck is more of a tempo deck where you're trying to play things every turn that uh you know obviously uh work towards that that galakron finish right and, and and so like battle rage is just two mana draw some number of cards and so like you know if you're playing like if you need card draw if you feel like you need card draw I, it, and battle rage is your answer it 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 seems like maybe you should i i think there's like you were saying, maybe there's a larger issue with just your resource management when you're playing that deck. But like, I would I would say I would try to find something else that does something along those lines, but also could more more fit into what your deck is trying to do. So like, try and find uh like I think of big old wealth where it's. It's a a nice statted minion, but it also does allow you to draw a card, and and it, you draw a card whenever you play it, as opposed to just, you know, when you have it set up in a certain way. And so, you know, thing things like that that uh, I I would look to see and try and figure out if it if if there's if it actually is a bad card or like. Or like, is there other cards like you're saying that that would make more sense? And just for the record, I'm not trying to say that Battle Rage is a bad card, right? Uh, because I do think that is is a great card. But the decks where it's seen the most success uh, have been combo oriented. Um, you know, Combo Warrior and Patron Warrior. It was seen extensively in both of those, and it saw a huge amount of success because when you're playing a combo, you know you you're playing super defensive and you want to draw through your entire deck, you know, as quickly as possible. And having a two mana, you know, draw six when you're playing a card like Whirlwind to activate that Battle Rage, you know, becomes worth it at that point. Oh yeah, Um, for sure. But you're not really doing that um, in Galakron Warrior, like you're saying. It's a more of a tempo deck and spending two mana to not be tempo, to not develop the board to you know not do anything essentially um doesn't really do any doesn't help your cause um there's a i can't remember who said it it was a magic player who was like um my favorite i can't remember i'm paraphrasing it's like 
my favorite opponent hand or whatever. What is he? He was saying that like he doesn't care how many cards his opponent has in their hand because he's going to kill them with a full hand. Uh huh. Um, I can't remember what the quote was like, but it was it was saying you know. You have seven, ten, whatever cards in your hand. That's fantastic. You have zero life, so I don't care. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I guess maybe more of where I think what you were saying and, and that I agree with is that it there's a context in which you need to evaluate the card mm-hmm. and, and make sure that, that like, when you're thinking about whether a card is good or bad, think about it in the context of the whole deck and what the whole deck is trying to do. And, and how you're playing the deck actually does matter as well. Because suddenly things... Like, I, I've had decks where like cards that are good in a deck, I never felt like they performed well. And it, and it wasn't because the card was bad, because obviously the card was good because other people were having success with it. It was, I was not playing the deck right or not setting up a situation where that card would be as beneficial as other people were able to make it, uh, make it. And so think, you know, that's, that's all part of that kind of card evaluation when you're, when you're trying to figure out whether or not this card is good or bad and, and like how, how it, how it performs. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the meta also impacts whether or not that card is going to be good or not, too. I mean, it really depends on what's what else is out there, too. And I know, like, I can think of just cards we talked about during set releases and be like, I don't know, it might be good after the rotation. It's not good now, but it has potential. So, like, there's there's a lot of i feel like there's a lot of context in this in this scenario but the data is a very good place to start and that i do want to say like something you should always really be doing is when you're playing a deck that has you know the attack card or like that 30th like 29 30th card that are kind of flexible keep in mind when you're drawing them keep in mind when you're playing them and think about a card that you might want to switch with. And if you're getting to the point where more often than not, you're like, I wish I had X instead of this card. Do you it. Should follow- yeah, it, it's time to change it. I know I've done that too. Like, if it's just like, this card seems useless, I feel like my deck would be so much better if I had X. Yeah, and I may have mentioned this before, but if you, you did. have a... Yeah, if you have a golden version of it and a non-golden version, that's especially if it's just a one-card thing, like you want to keep one, but you're not sure about the second, having both and then designate one as this is the throwaway, you know, this is the 30th card that I might want to change. And so you don't really confuse yourself when, you know, you potentially draw, um, you know, if they're both golden or they're both not golden, you know, you can't really, it's harder to tell, like, Okay, I wish this one was a um, insert whatever card you're thinking about. But if you have the ability to separate them, then it becomes, you know, okay, I want to keep the golden one and the common one is just, is the potential other card, you know? 
makes sense. All right, guys, do we have any final thoughts on the topic before we wrap it up? I think that's been a a very interesting discussion this evening. Yeah, I really like these kinds of discussions. I know, like, I like listening to, like, Jay Alexander go off on Twitter. You know, it's especially entertaining for the few months when Spirit of the Shark was being played and he was yelling at everybody to stop playing it. (laughs) And, you know... Not everybody listened to him. And then when the Spear of the Shark deck did well, they would yell at him and say, ha, 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 you know, you're wrong. And, you know, it's like sample size people. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, too. It's like if everyone's doing it, then if you do it, too, it's not as bad. It might be good. But, you know. If everybody's doing it wrong, then nobody's getting punished. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the point. Is is that how that works? Well, at least in tournaments, not on ladder. Yeah, okay. it's like the if every if you outlaw every son that has this, then everyone who has it will be outlaws or whatever that saying is. So, anyways, I'm way off track now. So, do we uh, do we have a poll question this week, or are we gonna just figure it out later on? I think we're kind of stumped this week. So. I don't have one right now. Okay. Switch the topic here pretty quickly. So, so look, peek behind the curtain. We switched the topic last second for this week. So, we didn't have a good time to uh, uh, come up with a new poll question, but we'll come up with something. And we'll post it with the episode. Um, So you won't hear it in this week's episode, but you'll see it when Mage posts it, when I post the episode. So sorry about that, but we just got... I dropped the ball. Sorry, guys. No, it's fine. We we got struck with inspiration, which I think made for a better episode anyways. So it was kind of... It was fun to have this topic and discussion. I I feel like it... Like when inspiration strikes you for this kind of thing... You go for it. It makes better content anyways. And the poll question will be there on Twitter for a guy, for you guys tomorrow anyways when the episode goes live. So you can find the show at Dr3HS on Twitter. You can join our Discord, the Dr3 Discord, top pin tweet. You can email the show at Dr3HS at gmail.com. Please feel free to really uh, leave a review on your podcaster uh, catcher of choice. I think it's just iTunes, but, you know, I'm just saying it like that. And you can find me on Twitter at Daring Alkline. Nicholas? You can find me on Twitter at Nicholas123. And Mage. I'm on Twitter as well, at Mage of Death. And then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Mage of Death. Okay, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in this week. And as always, you've been listening to Dr. Three.